Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Film for Fans podcast, the podcast from movie fans for movie fans. I am your host, Ryan Dunham. That is my co-host, Rob Dunham. I'm done with work, and I'm ready to work on some movie talk. Oh, yeah. That's what I like to hear. That's 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 how we begin the weekend. We begin the weekend yeah. talking about movies and and enjoy the relaxation coming our way. Yes, we do the things we must so that we can do the things we love. I like it. This. I like it. That seems like it should be a movie quote. It probably. I, I feel like it probably is. <laughs> probably still that. Sorry. Somewhere. Somewhere. Sorry for the plagiarism. It's accidental. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, this is not a plagiarism podcast. <laughs> yeah, no one can copy us. No, no, we are one of a kind. <laughs> Well, that's a good thing or a bad thing. That's for you, the listener, to decide. <laughs> Remember, you chose to listen to this, so... Yes. Remember, <laughs> in the words of Jack Reacher, in uh, featuring Tom Cruise, mm-hmm. plug for later. Oh. Remember, you chose this. <laughs> I was just thinking the other day that I should probably watch those movies because I do have the streaming service that has them on, and I have never seen them. Yeah, the first one is really good. And it's that combination of Chris McQuarrie and mm. Tom Cruise. The second one is not directed by Chris McQuarrie. And they did not, let's just say they did not stick cl- anywhere close to the book. And, they and the did. quality went. You're down. saying they didn't accomplish their mission. They did not. No. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. They did not. But we do have an excellent show for you. We will, of course, go over the box office updates. We'll give you all that type of stuff. We've got a couple of news items, too, which includes Star Wars, includes Tom Cruise, and we'll give you a little bit on the Golden Globes. Um, then we will discuss movie locations that we've always wanted to visit. So that should be fun. And, of course, we'll end the episode with our watch list. You ready to jump in? I am. All right. So we're going to start with our box office update. And the box office was actually kind of interesting this week. And number one again is Wonka. Hmm. Wonka has had remarkable staying power. Now, the box office as a whole did not have a good weekend in terms of like raw numbers. Box Wonka won the box office at just $14 million. Oh. Uh, so not a big weekend for the box office. However... In week four, it was only a 37% drop from week three. It has now made over $164 million. And that was on the strength of only about a 30, if I remember correctly, like 35, $36 million opening weekend. Yeah. So this is just kind of cruised along and has uh, seemingly has a decent amount of staying power. The only new entrant to the box office this past week was Night Swim which did 11 point, well, almost $11.8 million in its first week in the box office. Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom did $10.6 million in its third week. It is It has crossed the $100 million platform. Uh, mm. It's still not going to make money overall, but it's not, I, it's not quite the disaster that it was looking like after week one. Yeah. Um, it has crossed the $100 million platform. Uh, migration did point. 9.996, so basically $10 million <laughs> in its third week as well. That is at $77.56 million. So not a bad showing. Not a bad showing. Uh, and then Anyone But You did $9.7 million. Interesting here. It was up 11.4% from the wow. previous week. It's rare when you see a movie that in its third week in the box office that actually mm-hmm. increases. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
uh, over its previous week. So $43.9 million. That's probably a very good total for that. Movie. Yeah, I would, I would say so. For, yeah, for that type of romantic movie, comedy, yeah. Yeah, R-rated romantic comedy, those are usually not high in budget because yeah. you're not, you have almost no special effects in yeah. movies like that. Yeah. So that's, that's probably a very good showing for that movie. Yeah. And the fact that it went back up from this previous week also indicates that yeah, people are still I, in the same. I haven't done a dive into these numbers. I, I'm not sure you have either, but do you know, did it play more theaters this last week than it did the previous week? That might be something worth looking I at. could look into that. I did yeah. not do that deep of a dive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because sometimes that can impact it was, how a movie does, but even with that, typically you don't see a what I will say show. is it is in the only other of the top five, the only other theater it was that was even it was the fifth among in, in theaters it was in. Mm, okay. And it was fifth by 200 theaters. Okay. So the next closest was Night Swim at 3,200 theaters, mm -hmm. but then Wonka at 3,800, Lost Kingdom at 35, and Migration at 37. Hmm. So it was significantly lower than any of yeah. the other ones in the box office. Yeah, which is also not too surprising because uh, some of the theaters are just not going to show a movie like mm -hmm. that because it's not going to make them money. But it well, seems to be making money across the board, which is yeah. really interesting. Yeah, so it's Matt, it's doing well. Let me see if I have that. The average average per theater it actually ranked third in okay. average per theater. So average per theater, number one was Wonka, number two was Night Swim, and then number three was Anyone But You. Yeah. Yeah, so it Which did. I, I always find to be really like the most telling mm -hmm. metric of how a movie is being received, but it doesn't always translate into total box office because uh, some of the major theater yeah. um, brands don't have everything. Well, like we have a theater here in Lancaster that has, we usually have like maybe six movies in it. Yeah. At a time. Yeah. And so, you know, it's just not going to carry everything that the bigger theaters do. Yeah. And so, you know, after the week one or week two, if a movie is not like a massive success, it usually drops off the radar pretty quickly. So those theaters tend to tend to only be the newer ones as much as they can. All right. Well, that is last week's box office. I mean, it's clear that the, the entire nation listened to me ranking Blanco so highly <laughs> for my movies of the year at number two that they decided to all go watch it. So it's true. It's true. Yeah. There's not really any other way to uh, <laughs> interpret that. We're, we're that influential, clearly. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we have several movies uh, opening in theaters this week. Uh, one of them is The Beekeeper. And this is an action movie starring Jason Statham and Jeremy Irons. And the plot here is in The Beekeeper, one man's brutal campaign for vengeance takes on a national stakes after he is revealed to be a former operative of a powerful and clandestine organization known as The Beekeepers. Mm. So Jason Statham action movie. Yeah, that's basically what you got there. I mean, we're we're at the point now. I think with Jason Statham that we're, uh, he's kind of like I, I think he's kind of reaching the, like like you said, Jason Statham action movie level where you're like, oh, Liam Neeson, yes, revenge movie, yes, Jason Statham action movie, yeah. Nicolas Cage, absolutely crazy <laughs> movie. You know, some of these people they yeah. just have their their mm -hmm. niches and they find them and they, I think I personally I think he's 
fantastic. Yeah. This kind oh, of yeah. Role. Absolutely. I'm, I'm going to go watch this movie. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I it's, probably, to watch it it's probably my plan for yeah. this weekend. There's one other one that I wanted to go see that that might still be in some theaters. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I'll, I'll check out. But otherwise, I'll probably go see The Beekeeper. Yeah. Uh, next one, we have Mean Girls. And this is an updated adaption that is uh, of a musical variety. And so... Uh, Tina Fey is back, kind of redoing this and updating it. And the cast here is Angori Rice, Renee Rapp, um, Uli Cavalho. Sure. I don't know. So, yeah, it's a relatively unknown cast yeah. for this one. Also, Tina Fey and Tim Meadows, obviously. Correct. Yes. And so this is from the comic mind of Tina Fey. comes a new twist on a modern classic, New Mean Girls. Uh, new student... Katie Heron is welcomed into the top of the social food chain by the elite group of popular girls called the Plastics. And of course, if you've seen the other one, you kind of know the rest of the story. Mm -hmm. There. Uh, so before we move on, have you seen the original Mean Girls? Yes. And what is your thought on the original Mean Girls? I mean, I think the original one is probably one of the funnier movies of its time. Yeah. Um, I don't. <laughs> But I I am hesitant to say that this will be the same. Uh, and the, the reason why I say that is because when I say the original was one of the funnier movies of its time, it's very much locked in its time. Yeah. So can it be transmitted into the present day? And we've seen Hollywood struggle with comedy. I think a lot of... I think in large part due to, you know, ideological bents. Mm -hmm. um, it will be interesting to see if they can update it and make it genuine and funny, or if it's going to slip into the, the way of the rest of comedies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it will be interesting. Um, another one that's coming out is the book of Clarence and the book of Clarence uh, stars Lakeith Stanfield, Omar Sy, Anna Diop, and others. And this is from the visionary film director, Jameis Samuel. The Book of Clarence is a bold new take on the timeless Hollywood-era biblical epic. Streetwise but struggling, Clarence is trying to find a better life for himself and his family, making himself worthy of the woman he loves, and prove that he is not nobody. Captivated by the power and glory of the, ri the rising Messiah and his apostles. He risked everything to carve out his own path to a divine life, a journey through which he finds redemption and faith, power, and knowledge. So this is listed as comedy and drama. Mm -hmm. Seems to me like it's probably more drama in, but no. I mean, I I, uh, I can see it being like, the, this to me gives me like Life of Brian vibes, mm -hmm. Monty Python. Basically, is about like the neighbor of Jesus yeah. and how he grew up. So, um, I am very interested in this one too. I really like like Keith Stanfield quite a bit. He was in uh, the Haunted Mansion, the mm -hmm. new one that came out. Um, I've really liked him and everything I've seen him in. So, I'm very interested in seeing how he does with this role as well. Yeah, yeah. He was in. Uh, he was also in Uncut Gems, Judas and the Black Messiah, mm -hmm. Knives Out, yeah. Girl in the Spider's yeah. Web. I, I must say, like, he was fine in The Girl in the Spider's Web. 
what they did to that character is nothing like what that character was like in the book. Mm. So I think it was it's hard to separate his performance in that from mm -hmm. from what the book was. But anyway, it will be interesting to see how well this one does. Um, just anecdotally, looking on Fandango, multiple theaters have it as like the feature, hmm. you know, based on what's coming out. It's the one yeah. they're highlighting. So it will be it'll be interesting to see where this shakes out. Um, also, to uh, Soul will be in theaters, mm -hmm. I think, for the first mm -hmm. time. Yes. Because this was a pandemic release. Yeah, this is one of the three Pixar movies that are coming out for the first time in the mm -hmm. theater. So if you did not get to see the Pixar Disney film Soul when it uh, came out on Disney+, Plus, or if you liked it and want to see it in the big screen, uh, this weekend's your opportunity. It's going to be in theaters this yeah, week. And I, I can recommend Soul. Uh, I have seen it a few times, and I think it has some really good uh, themes and some... The thing I like about it is it presents you with some questions that you have to think through and answer mm -hmm. on your own without giving you the answer yeah. to them, which uh, as we've, we've spoken about this, a lot of times movies will lead you to a question, but then they will lead you to the answer that they want you yeah. to arrive at. And I don't feel like soul does that. Um, so or they'll just skip the question, just yeah. tell you the answer. So it's one of the reasons why I really appreciate it because it brings up a lot of the questions of, the afterlife and mm -hmm. the meaning of life and what you're doing with your life, things that are all important. And I think, uh, I really think these are themes and questions that are good for kids to, you know, interact with and mm -hmm. start to think about. Um, and I think it will impact you differently depending on where you, what stage of life you're at. Mm -hmm. um, you'll be impacted by it in one way or another, no matter where you're at. I do remember seeing soul shortly after it came out. I have, some vague remembrances i think i liked it mm. um but i don't I, I don't have enough of a memory of it to yeah. really it's a very funny movie it's a very musical movie mm. and uh jamie fox does a really good job as mm. the the main uh jazz musician um that's that's yes. living through the story okay so those are your four entrances book of clarence the beekeeper mean girls and soul so what do you uh what do you make of this? What, which uh, I think we both said we we're interested in the beekeeper. Are you interested yeah. in any of the other ones? Yeah, I'm interested in uh, the beekeeper and the book of Clarence. Mm -hmm. uh, I think okay. I might end up seeing both of them. So, okay. I don't know if I'll get to anyone, any of them other than the beekeeper. I'm still trying to work through the list of 2023 movies that I want to hit before I finalize my list. <laughs> so I don't know if I'll make it out to more than one, but the uh, beekeeper is likely for me. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's get to a couple of news items. And one is that star Wars is going back to the big screen. Uh, so we have an update and um, they're kind of pulling a reverse Marvel here. Mm-hmm. And that they are bringing the Mandalorian and Grogu to the big screen. So there's a film. Uh, Disney announced that um, uh, John Favreau is bringing the Mandalorian and Grogu to theaters in 2025. Production is slated to begin at some point this year, and uh, has all the usual Disney cast, you know, Disney production people involved uh, in that one. And this, of course, will be a take on the character that's very popular in the Disney Plus series, The Mandalorian. And these two characters uh, will be coming to the big screen. Um, 
what do you make of them going this route of uh the mandalorian and guru uh, the, the, and, yeah and theaters this is fascinating to me because this is kind of a test case of the opposite of what we've been seeing yeah so um that something that started out on the if you want to call it disney plus the mm-hmm. television side of things so i think we can still call it even though it's technically not television right it's streaming right but the show i mean the show itself comes out of the star wars canon mm-hmm. but it's an extended part of it that had not really been done with a movie and probably couldn't have been done with a movie because you have so much background so much story groundwork you need to lay to understand who these people are yeah at the same time this mandalorian character is played by pedro pascal who is a recognized actor it's mm-hmm. not just somebody brand new who's you know just doing yeah. a role um and I have seen a lot of Grogu. You want to call him Baby Yoda? Mm-hmm. Is what it's commonly known as Grogu, the child. Um, there, everywhere you look, it seems like there's like merchandise of this character. Like people have yeah. really connected to this character, and I'm wondering if that connection is going to mm-hmm. translate to box office success. Because if if the connection I am seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, in the general world, populace translates to the box office. This movie will do really, really well. Mm-hmm. I'm just not sure if that will happen or not. Yeah, it will be interesting. Um, I think this was the first Star Wars series that Disney Plus did. The <laughs> first streaming one, if I'm, mm-hmm. if I'm correct. Um, I think it was the first their first attempt at television on that front. Uh, it came out when some of when this idea when this merge of kind of streaming and box office mm-hmm. back and forth was kind of just beginning, and it developed a very big following very quickly. Um, so I don't think that particular IP has suffered in the way like you would say the Marvel yeah. shows have suffered as a, just the buildup of content. Yeah. There's not the same level of back knowledge necessary in the star wars canon Mm -hmm. that there is in marvel so it might be able to avoid that fatigue thing however you're still going to have a lot of people who will have not watched the show or have not caught up on the show um so i think the the star wars fandom in itself will probably guarantee a pretty good number for this Mm -hmm. one when it does come out uh but the question is can they make a good enough original story. Star Wars has really been struggling with direction yeah. and story. Um, and so Favreau is a, is a very good director and, you know, very, you know, skilled mm-hmm. at this type of thing. So I think my guess is this one will do well. And he's been very instrumental in this series and the book of Boba Fett when it comes to sure. storyline and direction. Um, one, one other thing I'm wondering is, mm-hmm. is, Will this movie go back over some of the ground from the TV show yes. to bring people in who have not had a chance to see it? Yeah. And if they do that, will it be too um, obvious or too overbearing to the point where it will turn people off who already know the story? Mm-hmm. And we talked about this, like there's that fine line that we see most often in science fiction where do you give do you do you feed the audience everything you want them to know about the universe that they're mm-hmm. involved in, or do you leave it for them to figure out on their own? 
or do you come to the middle ground somewhere? Yeah. And what's the best way to handle that? So it'll be fascinating to see what they do with this since there is an established fan base who knows everything. Yeah, versus there will be a lot of people coming who don't know anything. And that is always the struggle. And it's been the struggle with Star Wars. It has such a passionate, hardcore fan base that it's always the struggle between bringing more people in and fan service. Mm -hmm. And that has always been a struggle for for Star Wars as to how much they land on fan service and how much they just focus on making good movies or how much they focus on bringing other people in. And honestly, most of the time they haven't hit the nail on the head. Mm -hmm. But... I think this. I think the first one will do well. Um, where it goes from there will be interesting. Because then, if you get to the point where it's like, okay, we're not going to tell you anything about the show, and we're just going to assume you know it for the movie, mm-hmm. and then if they go back to more seasons of the show and go back to another movie, then you start running into the Marvel problem. So it will be interesting to see where they go from there. Okay, uh, another news: Tom Cruise has signed a deal with Warner Brothers. Uh, this is an interesting story. Uh, Tom Cruise has signed a deal with Warner. And this deal uh, is an interesting structure, to be honest. It's an interesting structure. Um, it gives an opportunity for these two to work together. And the goal is that Tom will develop some original content and possibly some franchise series. <clears throat> In the future at Warner Brothers. What's interesting about it, it is both non-exclusive mm-hmm. and does not come with a first rights clause. Uh, if you're not familiar with first rights clause, it basically when you are have a first rights deal with a studio, it means everything you develop, you have to take to that studio first. They get the opportunity to put it into production or to pass on it. If they pass on it, then you can go elsewhere with it. And but they would get the first chance, and that's not the case here. But the thing about that's fascinating about that is that almost every person in Hollywood has that yes. in their contract. Yes. So the fact that he does not have that in this contract speaks to who Tom Cruise is. Like, yes, I don't, I don't know of almost any actor who could pull this off. No. <laughs> and this is, and this is what's fascinating is because Tom Cruise is both an actor and like this massive producer he's not a director mm-hmm. but he's this massive producer and he's legendary for his film mind and people just absolutely trust him when it comes to his movie knowledge and his movie chops of knowing what the audiences want need yeah so it's really fascinating because it's it's kind of like here please come produce stuff yeah. with us because <laughs> if you don't have a if you don't have a first rights deal and you don't have an exclusive deal um, I'm curious as to what this actually looks like in practice, because obviously he's still going to do his Mission Impossible stuff with Paramount. Mm-hmm. He's got another one, I think, maybe with Universal. Yeah, he ha- he does work for Universal. Too. He's got another one coming out with Universal. And so now Warner Brothers is just getting in the mix, it seems. Yeah. Uh, so it's fascinating uh, to see to see what this is going to mean. And Warner from the Warner Brothers side, they want Tom Cruise. They want yeah. they want those box office hits. They want that track record. They want somebody who knows what they're doing yeah. <laughs> when it comes to movies. And and it's a big get for them. And they're very excited about it. I mean, at some point, we should probably have this as a... This could be a like a huge discussion topic that we talk about. But 
Uh, and I would I would have said twenty years ago that this is probably an insane statement, but I I think I'm at the point where I'm I'm realizing slash going to admit that uh, Tom Cruise might be the most influential figure in the history of Hollywood. Oh, that's interesting. If you look at his success as an actor, what he's starting to do with production. And if you look forward and think that he's got another 20 plus years of this, I I think there's a real good chance he could end up being like one, if not the most, one of the most influential figures in the history of the movie. That, would, that would be interesting to pursue because there's lots of different avenues you can go with that. I mean, you can go from like early studio heads that set up the production mm-hmm. campaign. You can go with, you know, stylistic inventors mm-hmm. uh, so yeah we should we should uh keep a put a pin in that and come back yeah, at to least today, like talk about um some paragons or like legends of yeah. the movie industry and what they've influenced mm-hmm. because he's he he is developing that kind of legacy yeah um and it's been it's been really cool to see how that has all played out because when he first started it was just kind of like he was just a pretty boy mm-hmm. and he is so far beyond that at this point yeah, and involved in so many things that, like you said, everyone wants to be involved with him. Yeah, from the major studios, just because they know that he will drive an audience. Uh, we'll have to get back to this some because I don't want to spend too much time on this. But what an interesting turn of events for him from where he yeah. was, say, early two thousands, where everyone was just like, "Ah, uh, Tom Cruise, just kind of like stay over there." And- yeah don't promote movies and just like yeah, <laughs> yeah you're a little crazy we, uh, a little scared so interesting yeah okay yeah maybe, maybe it's uh maybe that scientology stuff is it it's an old, it's an old, <laughs> maybe it's just at a high enough level now yeah. uh, i can confirm uh just in case you're wondering this is not a scientology podcast this is so, not yeah. a scientology <laughs> podcast <laughs> Although we are inclined to talk about aliens from time yeah, to time. Yes, so. yes. Right. But we believe they're fake, so. Yes, <laughs> indeed. All right, so let's just briefly touch on the Golden Globes. The Golden Globes were this past Sunday, and uh, we had a number of movie categories on this. Uh, sometimes the Golden Globes track well with what the Academy Awards end up doing. Sometimes they don't. Uh, but I thought we'd just go through them real quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll give you the winners, and then if there's anything else we want to talk about or one of them specifically, we can get into it for a couple mm-hmm. of minutes. Uh, so categories. Best original song in a motion picture. Uh, the winner there was What Was I Made For? Uh, hmm. Billie Eilish uh, and Phineas O'Connor, O'Connell uh, from Barbie. Mm-hmm. So that song won. Uh, best original score for a motion picture. Uh, Ludwig Göransson from Oppenheimer. It's the second one he's done with, uh, with uh, Christopher Nolan uh, mm-hmm. following Tenet. Uh, cinematic and box office achievement category. Uh, the winner there was Barbie. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk, we'll definitely get into that category in a minute. Uh, but best motion picture, uh, winner was Oppenheimer. Uh, best motion picture musical or comedy went to Poor Things. Hmm. Uh, best performance by female actor in a motion picture, Lily Gladstone from Killers of the Flower Moon. Best performance by a male actor in a motion picture went to Cillian Murphy from Oppenheimer. Uh, 
Best performance by a female actor in a motion picture, musical, or comedy went to Emma Stone for Poor Things. Uh, best performance by a male in a musical or comedy went to Paul Giamatti in The Holdovers. Uh, female actor in supporting role went to Divine Ro or Joy Randolph from The Holdover. And best male actor in a supporting role went to Robert Downey Jr. in Oppenheimer. Mm -hmm. Best director went to Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer. Best screenplay went to Justine Triette and Arthur Harari for Anatomy of a Fall. Uh, best animated motion picture went to The Boy and the Heron. Uh, best motion picture non-English language went to Anatomy of a Fall. So those are your categories for movies for the Golden Globes. Uh, what any anything you uh, anything you want to get into there? I am going to be very interested to see what the Academy does with Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah. Because the fact that it won an award. Yes. Uh, to me is a sign that the Golden Globes is viewing it seriously. And I think if the Golden Globes is viewing it seriously, the Academy is going to view it even more seriously. And it is a movie that is not one of the cultural favorites. No. Okay. The culture basically is like, eh, no. <laughs> so is the Academy going to reward Martin Scorsese, Leonardo DiCaprio, the rest of this movie? Because in their view, it is, I don't want to say a pure movie, but like a movie that lines up with their ethos versus yeah. movies that were too popular. Yeah. Because I, I, I could see there being division in the academy about what to do with oppenheimer i don't think i personally don't think barbie has a chance in the best picture category with the academy because i should it no no honestly it should not um i do wonder if it will have some traction as far as the actor categories go uh having seen oppenheimer I, there's no doubt in my mind that robert downey jr should win the yeah. best supporting actor mm -hmm. oscar i'm not now, granted, Silly Murphy was fantastic. I'm not as sold that he should be an absolute lock for the award, but we have seen them reward people who play mm -hmm. key figures in biopics, so yeah. I would not be surprised. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it won Best Picture, mm -hmm. but I think it's going to be challenged. Yeah. I think not only is Killers of the Flower Moon like Academy fodder uh, for the type of movie it is, all those type of things, Scorsese, all those type of things that the Academy likes. Um, it has some of the demographics mm -hmm. the Academy would be looking for because uh, they are much higher on those. I mean, they've now even to the point where they've labeled things and like put categories and restrictions on things. Mm -hmm. uh, so undoubtedly it will win something. Yeah. That's just the way, that's just the trend of the Academy is rewarding movies that nobody went to see and reward, rewarding them for reasons maybe other than whether it was good or not. Mm -hmm. um, certainly they don't care one iota about how much it made in the box office or how many people saw it. <laughs> yeah. So I do think it's 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 going to win something when it comes down to it. Um, the key thing here is um, one of the ones I want to talk about is that category that Barbie won. Uh, which is called, let me get the official, Cinematics and Box Office Achievement. Um, 
just to give you an idea of the movies that were nominated for this, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Oppenheimer, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, Super Mario Bros., Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. This is... It's an interesting category because I both like it and think it's an indictment of the Academy and just the movie industry mm. in general that it needs to exist. Yeah, <laughs> Because it's basically like we know that nobody actually sees any of the movies that we yeah. end up winning yeah. these things. Yeah. So everyone's sitting there, well, what about the movies that we watched? And so this is a category yeah. that's basically like, here's for the movies you actually went to see. Yeah. <laughs> What's and- the best movie out of movies people actually like? Yeah. And so I do think there's a place for that because not every big box office movie that people really like is actually like a fantastic movie, but there is right. something about a movie that that people want to go see and it creates a cultural moment for people. And so I think that that's a legitimate category. Also, the fact that it's necessary, a category like this wouldn't have been necessary 20 years ago because the movies people liked would have been nominated for enough things or would have been considered in, in enough ways mm-hmm. that um, it wouldn't have been an issue. So I, I both like the category and think uh, it's the, the fact that it exists is, yeah. is a bit of an indictment. Yeah. And uh, we've talked about this ad nauseum, how the Academy just has a complete disconnect with the reality of the general public. Yes. Um so maybe this is the Golden Globes just trying to position themselves in a way to say, hey, we're going to actually show you stuff yeah. that you care about. Um, one one other aspect with the Academy that I am... I don't... I, I would not put it past them to reward Killers of the Flower Moon simply because of their past as an organization, which if you don't know the story... In 1973, Marlon Brando won an Academy Award and turned it down. Yeah. And his speech declining the award was actually given by a woman named Sashi Littlefeather, who was a member of a Native American tribe, the Apache tribe. And in her speech, she said he was turning it down because of how Hollywood had treated Native Americans throughout their history. And you're talking about going all the way back to how Native American culture was treated in the Westerns. Mm-hmm. And probably a good two to three decades where you saw nothing but a caricature Mm -hmm. of the people. And I think that that was, that was an outgrowth of just a lot of people's attitudes towards those people. And some of it came out of actual real life events. Some of it came out of fear. Some of it came out of, just like they're the bad guys, we're the good guys. There's always cowboys versus Indians. Yeah. And there was no nuance yeah. in it. And I'm wondering if the Academy is going to look back at that incident, you know, that moment. It was a very pivotal, crucial moment in their history. Yeah. And are they going to say, well, look, we're not like that anymore, clearly, because we're going to move so far past that that we're going to... Yeah move towards this particular movie mm-hmm. because of what it represents. Oh, I have no doubt they might consider doing that. Yeah. Now, I don't love that. Mm-hmm. I, I can understand the sentiment, but I don't love that because I think it should be about the movies. Yeah. And I think you correct you correct those things by 
not by overcorrecting, <laughs> just by by presenting things correctly, by giving people the opportunities they deserve, and and moving mm-hmm. forward like that. But I have no doubt that something like that will play. Which I think a movie like Killers of Flower, and I think a movie like Gray that came out mm-hmm. a couple years ago, represent the fact that they are being given yes opportunity. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, uh, and are we going to like even if this one movie wasn't like mm-hmm. the favorite, like? I, I need to sit down and watch this. Like, is it is it worthy yeah, of I still need to too best actress nomination? Like, I wasn't gonna spend three yeah, plus hours yeah. to watch that movie in theaters. I will eventually get around to seeing it and then we can decide, you know, probably before Academy time, mm-hmm. we can decide whether or not uh uh she warrants yeah, consideration yeah. or warrants the And the we'll movie. make sure that we get the word out uh before it happens but i know regal and some other theater mm-hmm. chains near award time they release all the movies again yes in the theater and you have an opportunity to go see them and it's typically for a cheaper rate than a regular movie ticket would be so we'll have to make sure that we like them and that's gonna happen this year yep all right so those are the news updates and now we'll bring on to kind of a fun discussion um so uh to give full credit for this uh, this was something that I saw on Twitter slash X. Um, it was, I believe, retweeted by um, Reaxed or whatever. That's, you know, <laughs> uh, by all the right movies, or maybe they came up with themselves the the feed of all the right movies. There's also a podcast, all the right movies. Good one to check out too. Um, but is what film locations have you always wanted to visit? So I thought that'd be fun to fun to pick a few and, and bat around this film location. You always want to visit. Of course, movies are known for going to exotic locations and having uh, fantastic sets and sceneries and doing all those sorts of things. Uh, but what stands out to you? What are, are there specific ones or specific things that really um, strike you that you're like, oh, I've really, really want to go see that. I've always wanted that when you watch a movie. Uh, so my my obvious first answer and this may be on your list too so sorry if i steal it but uh when the shawshank redemption is your favorite movie mm. the only place you want to go is they want now <laughs> which i wasn't is, sure actually which one you're yeah, going to do that which is, they do tour yeah, they yeah. do tour the prison mm. they can you can tour the yeah. prison that they filmed which at. is a real place it's a, a beach in mexico yeah it is um say what's an and and mm-hmm. hearing about just hearing the description of it, and especially as the movie is ending when he's on the bus mm-hmm. heading towards there, if it, that if that does not give you chills, <laughs> seeing that, then you don't have a soul, uh, because dealing with all this stuff he dealt with and getting through the other side and finally having the opportunity to be free, and that place represents true freedom to him, and seeing them uh, meet each other on that beach. Uh, I just think it'd be. A, I, I'd love to just go and stand there, and just not do anything. Nice, and, and just soak in the sun, and probably put my feet in the water. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> cool, cool. I like that. That's a good one. Uh, I will. Since you went with exotic locale, I will go with exotic locale too. Um, and that is, um, if you've seen the movie Couples Retreat, they go to this exotic resort. And this resort actually exists. They didn't like it wasn't green screen. It wasn't like something they built in a studio. They actually went to an actual real resort. And the resort there is um, 
Now, for some reason, this did not. Oh, there is Saint Regis Bora Bora Resort in French Polynesia. Hmm. Um, so this is the one. If you haven't seen the movie, it's like one of the ones with the glass clear water where they have the bungalows that like lean out over the water, and you have like pools in your living room, and you have like hmm. things that can look down over, and you're like in these huts that are just like super super cool. Uh, it's wicked expensive. Yeah, like I think the lowest room for like i looked it up for like one night like if i wanted to go tonight mm-hmm. there's no way i could get there yeah if i want to go tonight it was like the minimum was like two thousand dollars nice a night nice. so <laughs> so this is a super expensive place but it's so amazing it's so cool i looked up where it is because i'm like oh man i think french polynesia is in the pacific oh it is out in the middle of nowhere hmm. it's like i was i was in fiji this past year and it is like further into the middle of the ocean than Fiji. It's like hmm. on a similar latitude, but it's further away from like Australia, New Zealand. It's just out there in the middle of nowhere. Wow. Uh, so really, really remote. I think that'd be really fun, but also a little bit terrifying. You know, that you're <laughs> when, you, like, when you see it on a map, yeah, it looks yeah. because really, it's just like big swaths of blue and nothing else. Yeah. Ah, but really, really cool looking resort. So I'd love to go there. Yeah. All right. What else you got? Uh, so the next one, and, and this... So Ryan did not give the caveat before he uh, introduced us, but he gave mm. me the caveat that it had to be a real place. It can be. A, yes. Like we're not you talking about Narnia. You can't go to Narnia. You can't go to Mars. Yeah. And However, even though Mars actually exists, they didn't film on Mars. My, so yeah, mine is kind of uh, like straddling the line. I okay. Think I All say, right. Because right. it is a real place. However, in the movie, it's a different place. So, okay. All right. Let's see um, what do you got. The Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, Colorado, which you may know as the Overlook Hotel from The Shining, oh, okay. is an actual hotel. Yeah, yeah. You no, can that go counts. in. Um, you can, you know, see all the decor and everything yeah. that you see in The Shining. Uh, I don't think it's haunted. <laughs> <laughs> um, you might have to stay there, sleep overnight to determine. I don't think, I don't think Jack Nicholson's gonna uh, take an axe to your door and mm. introduce himself mm. to you, but. Uh, that is some place that I'd be fascinated to go to because it's just an absolute landmark if you're a fan of horror movies. Yeah. Even it, I, I would say that even for some people who are not fans of horror movies, it might be some place that they would be at least interested in mm-hmm. checking out. Nice. So I do not know how much it costs to stay there. <laughs> yeah, I don't look it up for the St. Boris yeah. or St. Regis or Yeah. So, um, I, I picked one that's a little niche, but I just love the scene so much. It makes me want to go. The rooftop pool in Skyfall when he's in Shanghai mm. and he's swimming at night with the glow. It's just part of that really super amazing cinematography in the Shanghai scene mm-hmm. there. Uh, interesting enough, the hotel is not in Shanghai. Mm. The hotel is in London. Mm. So it's not quite as far <laughs> to go visit nice. this hotel. So this is... Um, it is the pool on the roof of the Canary Riverside Plaza Hotel. Uh, the pool is part of the Virgin Active Spa. Hmm. But you actually have to be a member of this spa to be go to go up and swim in this. And this is on like the top floor of this hotel, this spa. Um, and the the pool is a rooftop pool that overlooks the Thames. So I think I think it would, despite the fact that your view outside the window is not Shanghai, I still think it would be fantastic because London is a very cinematic city with very good uh, 
overviews mm-hmm. and looks. I, mm-hmm. I've been there once for a couple of days and London is amazing. So that's on my list. So kind of related and a little more broad. I've not been to Europe, so just Europe in general. Um, mm. A couple of places specifically directly related to movies i think about venice mm-hmm. venice is the setting of so many movies uh, yeah. on the water so just iconic gondola yeah. rides um just most recently we're talking about mission impossible the new one yep. and the scenes through there so running through the city uh the city i want to visit the most is vienna mm. um, which also features probably in a mission impossible movie <laughs> um so this is not just because of mission impossible uh, <laughs> even though we you know the Tom Cruise mm-hmm. runs the world yeah, uh, but just Europe in general, I've always been fascinated by. There are so many cities I want to see. Um, I even think of Prague, mm. uh, which is featured in several movies. Funnily enough, the movie that a lot of people wouldn't necessarily think of first when it comes to this, but Triple uh, X mm. was the first yes. one was filmed. A lot of it in Prague, um, and just the architecture and the culture of all those areas is always. It's a really, really cool Eastern European yeah. city because Eastern Europe has a different feel than Western mm-hmm. Europe does, and so yeah, it's it's a. I've not been there, but everything about it I've I've heard and read said Prague is just a really cool Eastern European. City. And I, I I think one thing that's really awesome about just it seems like european countries in general are very interested and invested in movies being made Mm. um to show and and some of it is like they have stuff they can actually show off yeah uh there aren't many cities in the united states that are like like settings to that degree where they're where they become like a part of the story they are uh, New York City might be one of the only ones that I can think of. They have an old world feel yeah. because they're significantly older than anything that exists in North yeah. America uh, or even a lot of the places in Asia, because a lot of those cities were built significantly more recently. Now, China is an exception, but then you don't film a lot in China for a lot of mm-hmm. other reasons. And I did have an opportunity to um, the closest I've been to something like this was I had an opportunity to go to old Montreal mm. when I visited Montreal when I was in high school. And there are some movies that were specifically shot like on the streets that I was walking on. And they've got all the old cobblestone streets. They've got these beautiful it definitely stone, has a much more European stone cathedrals. Sure. Um, just a beautiful area right by the uh, river there in Montreal. Nice. Um, my next one, I'm going to say um, what's called the uh, the Cosmia. <laughs> which is translated as the treasury in Petra, Jordan. Um, this is the one most prominently featured in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Mm. It's the temple they go into mm. to get the cup. It's the one that's like carved inside the the rock face, yeah. the like curved rock face there uh, in the canyon. It's super, super cool looking. I mean, it's just an incredible visual spectacle. Yeah. Uh, and that's in, in the city of Petra in Jordan. Uh, and it was heavily featured in, like I said, in the last crusade yeah. and just, just a fantastic looking structure. Yeah. Uh, really, really interesting. Along the same lines, I think the last one I would mention would be uh, just the cave and, and Canyon system uh, in the American Southwest that's represented in maybe 127 hours. Mm. Um, mm. Just some of the visuals okay. and, different human emotions slash claustrophobia slash whatever you want to say that could be involved with getting to explore that. But I would only want to do that with 
someone who actually knew what they were doing. Yeah. I don't want, I don't want to have to cut my own arm off with a pocket knife. Uh, James Franco, you can handle that. Uh, I'm good. Yep. <laughs> um, I will just give two more to to close out. Uh, the Burj Khalifa. Hmm. I would love to go to Dubai. And and it was just, I've, I've been reading about Dubai for years and years. And it's just like, the some of the stuff they have there is just utterly ridiculous. It's just ridiculous on on, a, on the face of it. And the Burj Khalifa, best, most prominently featured in uh, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Uh, but so interesting and so many things there. I would love to just be able to visit and check out all the sites there. And uh, then the last one for me would just be New Zealand and the Lord of the Rings tour. Mm. Just to do one of the Lord of the Rings tour tours there with just the insane landscapes in New Zealand is just incredible yeah yeah that would be uh that'd be pretty cool yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right so we'll, we'll close out this episode with our watch list movies that we watched over the last week rob what'd you watch um i went and saw night swim mm. in the theater so we heard that it did fairly well in the box office uh thought it was okay i gave it a three out of five mm-hmm. stars uh for a horror movie it was pretty good but i felt it was a little predictable okay. although I can't really say I've seen a movie about a haunted swimming pool before. <laughs> so I thought it was pretty original mm-hmm. at the same time. Um, had a, a sports thematic element that I did not mm. know about before going into the movie. I was okay. not aware of. And one thing that was really fun about this is before the movie started, you've got the logos for Blumhouse and the logo for Atomic Monster right before the movie. And having talked about that when it happened, seeing some of these movies start to come out, yeah. Um, that they're collaborating on is really one thing for me as a horror fan. Nice. Um, anything else? Nope. Okay. Uh, so I watched a couple movies. I watched, uh, I went to the theater and saw Boys in the Boat. Uh, really enjoyed that one. Um, I gave it, I think, four stars. I, I thought it was really, really good and will probably end up on my year-end list. Uh, the one downside, just say, like, they there wasn't a ton of drama like there were there were times in which they were trying to create drama in the story um and they were less than successful at times uh it's fairly straightforward but it's a, it's a good story and i liked it and it was it was something i really enjoyed so boys in the boat i definitely recommend boys in the boat um i for this week's weekly movie challenge another good twitter slash x feed that you should follow uh give you a new challenge every week um uh, it, this week's challenge was watch the oldest movie on your list. I don't have a ton of old movies on my list. Hmm. Uh, so I went through and the oldest one that I had not seen was actually The Godfather. Hmm. I had somehow never seen The Godfather. It was one of those. It's like it's so culturally iconic. And I've seen so many individual mm-hmm. scenes that, I, you know, I just never got around to sitting down and watching the movie. Uh, what I found is it's very difficult to judge a movie of which you know so much about and know so much of the individual lines and individual mm-hmm. stories. It's very difficult to then evaluate it as a movie. Um, so I found myself kind of, did I like it? Did I not like it? It's long, but it's it's good. So it is, I don't know 100% how I feel about it because it's just so kind of ingrained in the background already. Mm-hmm. Um and then I watched uh, Logan Lucky again because I found it for sale, super cheap at a store and bought it. And so I watched it again. Really great underrated heist film from the same director who did the Oceans movies. 
You got anything else? I do not. All right. Well, that is the show. Thank you, everyone, for checking out the Film for Fans podcast. Uh, make sure you go to filmforfans.com and check that out, as well as our YouTube, and tell your friends about it. Until next time, enjoy the movies. <laughs>